Good morning. Welcome to Teaching Others Also. It is Monday, December the 20th, 2021. And I have no idea about the future of our earth or the future of anything. So it, this may be the only time somebody listens to it. But it's Monday, December the 20th. Would you look with me at Romans 5, please? Romans chapter 5 and James chapter 1. We'll refer to 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, I was going to move on to a different kind of subject or maybe a couple day series, but <clears throat> I want to talk some more about the value of troubles. I was giving this some good thought over the weekend, and uh, something came up, and it was one of those more serious kind of troubles that come up. And the joke around the place was, there you go, and actually I started it. I said, I would have to go talk about troubles, wouldn't I? Uh, there is a sense, by the way, in which when you talk because you're told to, like in other words, in the in the the role of ministry, there's many things that come your way when you fulfill your duty that between you and the Lord. And uh, the thing is, what 99.99% of us do who are called to, you know, speak on behalf of the Lord, to preach the word, teach the word, be in season, out of season, etc. Is only going to reach a handful of people. And yet, what it does do is it puts us in a position to obey the Lord. Now, when you begin to think about that, that's a big deal. Because in reality, when I finish out this life, if it's today or if it's 10 years from now or whatever, what's going to matter when I get on the other side, as in see you on the other side, what's going to matter is that we're going to be able to stand before the Lord. And we're going to have to stand before the Lord whether, <coughs> excuse me, whether we want to or not. So when you begin to think about these things, then the number one reason for doing it is faithfulness. And that faithfulness cannot be carried out without applying our heart, our mind, our energy, our, you know, our, uh, our assets, our abilities, all those sort of things. So when we put ourselves into that position, then what inevitably happens when you speak on something, especially if you speak on something like we did on the value of troubles, and talking about, you know, tribulation work with patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, etc. When you do those things, inevitably, you're going to have to put up, you know, or shut up. It's just one of the spiritual rules of life. And it may have come that way whether you did or not, but I will guarantee you after doing this for decades that that's the case. And so that was kind of the joke, you know, around here. And the other thing about it was, though, I got to thinking about a couple things that came up. One of them was, you know, kind of serious and uh, had to work through the thing, and etc. And the first thing you do is pray. And the second thing you do is pray. And the third thing you do is pray. But then what you do is you go to work on it. So I want to read our two passages, and I'm not sure if today will finish this or not. We may end up for a little while on it, and I hope it's a blessing. Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, so we glory in the hope of God. We stand in all the hope of who He is, what He's done for us, what He's going to do, not just in the life to come, but in this life that we are in. 
And then he says that we glory in tribulations also, knowing, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patient experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And he makes sure that we understand that when we were yet without strength, verse 6, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, we've mentioned this a couple of times through, through last week, but understand that one of the things that's supposed to happen is confidence in God. Not confidence in ourselves, not confidence that all things are going to be wonderful and great, you know, que Sarah, whatever will be, will be, but confidence that God loves you, that he's aware of it, and that yes, somebody else may have caused it, you may have caused it, he is aware. Now, I want to read the, one of the companion passages and then comment for our day in a couple of days probably. James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But, patience. but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. What a great picture. I don't know if you've been out in boats much, but when you get out there, it is not like steering a car down the road. You go to load a boat on the trailer and the wind's blowing. You got a little wind to your back, not too bad. Wind to your face, that's good. But you got one of those severe side winds. You, you got to mind your P's and Q's to get that thing on there. And he said, if you ask in faith wavering, it's like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. <clears throat> you can be on a body of water that has no current as such, but the wind can turn that thing into whitecaps in no time. That's what wavering in your faith can do to you. That's what wavering can, can bring about. And so the reason we're supposed to have faith is not sort of this you know, silly little faith. It's a real strong faith in God. And then he says, <clears throat> verse 7, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Verse 8, a double-minded man. Not gender specific, a double-minded human person, man, woman, boy, girl is unstable in all his ways. If you've ever, see, ever been double-minded about something, it, it creates instability. Now, here's my thought to start the week with on this matter. And that is this. When we go through troubles, it should help us. Notice the first operative word in both Romans 5 and James 1 is patience. Patience is not just sitting around, okay? Patience is not just, you know, being passive. They're not the same. They're not even spelled the same. They don't mean the same. So I thought about it. I thought, well, how, how do these troubles work? And here's why. Now, watch. Diagnosing things is not trying to diagnose God's side, but our response to the trouble. For example, troubleshooting takes patience, and it takes pattern, it takes method. Troubleshooting is a great skill, and nowadays, 
anything you get and buy, anything that has electronics, mechanics, almost everything will come with some FAQs, frequently asked questions you can get. You can punch in a little thing online, whatever, the back of the booklet. It'll come with troubleshooting. If this is happening, then try this, and this is happening, try that. Uh, and of course, been around since the beginning of computers, the age, one of the age-old things is turn it off, let it sit, turn it back on, you know, just boot it back. You're, it's amazing how that works. <clears throat> it's amazing in all kinds of things. That goes way back to biological and physiological things. Sometimes you just have to hit reset. I don't know if you realize that. I, I read, this is 40 years ago, I read of a guy that asked him, how do you get so much done in a day? And he was a business guy, sort of, and he said, uh, well, at a certain time each day, he said, I, or if I'm feeling a little bit, you know, like I need to recharge, he said, I'll take and get in a comfortable chair, and I'll put this big set of car keys I happen to have that goes in my briefcase, I put it in my hand, lay my arm on the chair, and I'll lean back, and I'll let myself doze off. And he said, for the amount of time it takes for me to doze off so much that my hand relaxes and those keys hit the floor and wake me up, he said, energizes me. And I thought, can that really be so? And I've tried that several times through the years, and it really works, the idea. It works. Uh, they used to call it a cat nap, okay? And people used to think, well, no, a nap is just, you know, they, I, I learned early on when I was doing carpenter work, if I could, when you get your 30-minute or 20-minute lunch break, when you get one, if you could lay flat and put your feet up, just put them on your toolbox or whatever, a little bit above you, and let that blood rush back, it'll energize you and help you. See, it's just something simple. Now, the one of the values of trouble is troubleshooting. Get it? The values of troubles is troubleshooting. Troubleshooting is good. It's not trying to figure out what God's doing. It's, it's learning through troubles. You know, <clears throat> the situation I was dealing with, for example, and I like to keep things practical. I don't know about you, but I, I believe the Bible is very practical. That doesn't mean we bring it down and make it all human level. No, no, no. We don't do that. Okay, you ready? Now watch. But what it does do is teach us in our everyday life. So you ask God for wisdom, and then you start troubleshooting. Now, really good troubleshooting starts with the simplest, most basic thought and moves forward. I had a generator tech who was really good, but due to some uh, herbal intake he'd had through his teenage and early adult years and I words he was smoking marijuana a lot he had gotten to the point where when he diagnosed stuff for me and with me his first response his first solution was always the most elaborate intricate the most unusual and least occurring solution and I would literally have to pull him off that job and putting on something, and I, I wasn't thoroughly trained like he was. That's why I used him. I'd have to get pull him off, and I'd, I'd have to go back and take that job, and I would start troubleshooting from square one. Is it is it this most simple thing? Is it this right here? Is it the second simplest thing? Is it the third simplest thing? Is it the fourth? You say, well, that takes time. It's very quick, actually. And I can't tell you how many things are simply solved by following that. Now, it takes patience to do that. Watch your own life or watch the people around you and just observe. Sometimes you're tempted to just 
rush into the thing and want it solved or, or try force or whatever. You know, the other day someone was saying something about like customer service type things, whether you're the customer needing service or you're the service person giving customer service. And I was like, you know, 99 times out of a 100, you don't have to use force. The most important thing is communication. For example, here's a great phrase. Do not accept no from someone who can't say yes. So what do you mean? So let's say you're dealing with a business or you're trying to get a, a billing issue solved or you're trying to return something, okay? Don't accept no if the person you're talking to can't say yes. For example, one time I was getting something, a piece of equipment for, for, the, for work. And they asked me, would you go try to find this thing? And I found it and went down there. And I found one that was slightly damaged, but the damage was not going to hurt. We just needed it to pull stuff around the, the lot to service things. So I said, uh, where is the manager? And they're like, well, well, I said, well, I'll wait, get him or her. And then went and got the manager. And I said, look, here's what I'm doing. I want to do this. This is damaged. What can we do about it? Can you give me something off? Boom, he did. Went to the up to the thing with a little note from him and the teller, the cashier, looked at me and said, well, I didn't know that we ever do that. And I said, probably you don't have the authority to do it, right? And the teller said, you're right, I don't. And I said, well, here's a lesson in life. Don't accept no from someone who can't say yes. See, it's okay that most people are not empowered to say yes. It's okay. Don't fight that. Don't belittle them. It's okay. It's safe for business. So let me say this and as we sum up today's. It is okay that God said in 2 Corinthians 12 to Paul, I'm not going to take away the thorn. I'm not going to take it away. And then he said what he learned was that God's grace was sufficient. See, one thing about troubleshooting in daily life is it gets you going from the simplest to there. And if it gets more complex, you're like, okay, I cannot fight this with force. I need to bathe this in prayer to ask God for wisdom who giveth to all men liberally, men or women, boys or girls, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But I got to ask nothing wavering. I cannot, and don't jump line with troubleshooting. And I've just been impressed. We'll go through this. Few. These are, I know these sound like simple things, but these are things that for me from the Bible I've learned about everyday life and about work. So I trust you have a great day, but think about how the patience to do good troubleshooting can help you walk with God without interference. See you tomorrow.